Hello, and welcome to our post-presidential election podcast. Just kidding. Trust me, we aren't ever going to talk about politics on this show. You know it. I know it. Our guests know it. We're here to talk about tech. More specifically, blockchain technology, AI, and the effect that they will have on the future of cybersecurity. We have a great podcast and guest for you today, but before we jump in with the good stuff, please visit our website, secureblocktech.com. Learn more about Overwatch, our enterprise-grade BOC, or Blockchain Operations Center. Monitoring, analytics, security, and validation for all of your chains and dApps from one single pane of glass. From developers to enterprise companies tapping into the many benefits of blockchain, Overwatch will help you through the development cycle, or dev chain ops as we call it, and right into production. Now to the good stuff. We're going all in on blockchain security today. We're very excited about our guest. Joining us today, we have Kurt Seyfried, Chief Blockchain Officer at Cloud Security Alliance. Thank you for joining us today, Kurt. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. And also joining me today, just in from the range, we have our usual suspects, Mr. Die Hard himself, Mr. John Hooks, our CAIO. Hey, John. Hey, Jules. Hey, good to see you again, my friend. And also, the Seinfeld of security himself. Mr. Joel Flamengen, our CISO. Thank you for joining us today, Joel. Hi, Joel. It's glad to be here. Good, good, good to see you, man. Let's start by framing up this podcast and give a, give a quick overview of uh, blockchain technology security and uh, listen to my dog do a little barking. <laughs> Kurt, how does blockchain security differ from regular cybersecurity? So I'd say the biggest difference is that blockchain offers us a new and novel way for people to build a platform to work together where those people may hate each other or actively want to like stab each other in the back. So it allows you to create a, a version of reality where you have agreed upon rules that can be enforced by the technology itself. If you want, you know, the consensus mechanisms, you can have on-chain governance so it can, you know, be technically enforced, not after the fact through lawsuits. And this means new, not just new markets, but new types of markets and new types of exchange are now possible that just weren't in past. Um, you know, it really reminds me of well, like the whole online auction site thing. That was great, except you'd get ripped off all the time until we had, you know, third party payment systems that prevented you from getting ripped off. And now, you know, online auction sites are great, you know, but 20 years ago, they were terrible. And blockchain, that I would say is the biggest and novel difference is blockchain allows you to define your security reality in a way that traditional cybersecurity doesn't. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree with you there. Uh, Joel, uh, how about you jump in? Uh, what is your assessment specifically on the security of blockchain technology? Uh, thanks, Joel. I uh, appreciate the question. Well, um, since this is one of the main concerns, actually, that critics have been voicing out since the genesis of blockchain technology, well, with today's increased dependency on uh, technology and the internet, cyber attacks have also been increasing and they're becoming more complex. Cyber criminals are focused on stealing our information like our PII, IP or intellectual property, our EPHI or PHI, personal health information, financial data, and so on. And they're monetizing it uh, for the process uh, of their um, stealing our data for their gain and uh, feed into their organization. And blockchain's uh, technology has a potential to strengthen and improve an organization's cyber defense. Fraud and data tampering can be prevented with blockchain's inherent 
secure characteristics like a consensus mechanism, immutability, transparency, auditability, data encryption, and operational resiliency. Basically, blockchain technology has the ability to address what we all commonly know as the, CI, uh, the CIH, security triad, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Jules? Yeah, no, fantastic. Fantastic. John, do you want to jump in and elaborate on how blockchain and AI provide a more secure environment? Sure, Jules. You know, we've been talking in the last few sessions about, you know, the nature of blockchain and AI and how, at first blush, they look like they may be contradictory and may work on entirely different paradigms, but combining them is really promising. In fact, the companies we've been speaking to in the enterprise blockchain space are looking to develop real business applications to connect AI and blockchain uh, in their real world use cases. And the main feature of blockchain, as we've been talking about it, is that it's secure, uh, which allows AI code to be inserted into the platform, uh, which is another feature that makes the merger feasible for organizations. So, you know, we, we look at the contradictory nature but if we look at it, you know, uh, artificial intelligence is centralized, blockchain decentralized. You know, access to artificial intelligence in some places is closed, blockchain is open. You know, transparency, well, artificial intelligence kind of is a black box art, if you will. And blockchain is uh, transparent, depending on how you, uh, how you set it up. And, and again, you know, probably the biggest difference is Traditionally, AI has the approach has been probabilistic, and uh, blockchain is deterministic. So, you know, they're opposite, but combining them will mark a real uh, advantage to enterprises and uh, a real paradigm shift. Jules? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Kurt, you wanna, you have anything to add on uh, what Joel and John said? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest factors for blockchain is is it allows us to build scalable systems that are not only scalable, you know, volume-wise and latency-wise, but scalable in the sense of like, oh, Australia dropped off the map. Well, the system keeps working. And with that scale comes one simple problem. You know, you can't have humans running this thing, uh, monitoring it, you know, making sure everything's correct. And, uh, well... The only alternative really for that is machine learning and AI. Um, that's the only thing that can deal with this at scale. You know, it doesn't need to sleep. And most critically is latency. You know, by the time you get a, even if you flag a human operator immediately and they immediately start working on the problem, human reaction time is a quarter of a second. And we're talking, you know, blockchains with atomic swaps that execute in less than a second. And like the attack's over, right? The, you know, recently there was that, uh, I forget which, uh, there was a, a flaw in a contract and they exploited it, you know, a couple tens of millions of dollars were missing in seconds, right? There's, there's no way a human being can deal with that. It's just, it has to be automated. It has to be AI and ML. Yeah, no, couldn't agree with you more. You know, we definitely got to start addressing some of those, you know, fast moving issues that, that just humans aren't capable of dealing with. And, you know, I think we got a good, good oversight on blockchain security, kind of warming it up. Uh, Let's take a deep dive. Let's talk a little bit about threat modeling and blockchain and DLT or distributed ledger technology for those of you that, that don't know the term. And uh, Kurt, the man of the hour here, let's, uh, let's come right back to you. 
how can threat modeling be used in scenarios where there are many unknown variables? So that's actually something I've actually spent the last few weeks working on. Um, there's about a dozen threat modeling methodologies, you know, Stride, Linden, Pasta, all those guys. Um, the, the brutal reality is there's only two threat modeling methodologies that are well documented that have like a book available and that would be Pasta and Stride. And to be blunt, they do not deal very well with unknown unknowns or known unknowns. You know, if we go back to Rumsfeld and his famous quotes. So I've decided one aspect of that is leaning into it. And the issue I found, simply put, is most threat models don't allow you to capture data very intelligently. And so I'm looking at ways to capture threat modeling data better that'll also uh, capture incomplete data because, well, let's face it, right? Incomplete data is better than null, than no data. Uh, and at least if you have incomplete data, now you actually know what's missing, right? And that's, so part of this too, with the threat modeling of blockchains is, you know, what do we need to be measuring? What do we need to be securing? What do we need to care about? You know, it took us the better part of, well, two decades to figure that out with web servers. And uh, to put it bluntly, I don't think we have two decades to secure the blockchain. You know, I'm pretty sure my retirement fund will be in a blockchain probably within the decade. So with respect to the threat modeling, like I said, the biggest thing is accepting these unknown unknowns and uh, turning them into known unknowns and starting to, you know, begin that exploratory process of identifying them. Do we even need to care about them? You know, there's, I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of time on security issues where it turns out it just doesn't matter. You know, um, all sorts of movie style threat plots when what really works is you send an email to the person saying, can you please click here to reset your password? And they do, right? So the biggest thing is, is getting the data, but to get the data, we need to know what we need to, we need to know what to measure. And so I, I think we're in those Genesis steps of, you know, we start measuring stuff and does it help or not? If it helps, cool, measure more of it, pivot. And if it doesn't help, okay, maybe we know we can ignore that or, or maybe we're just not mature enough to understand that data yet. And I can agree with you there. It does feel a little bit a uh, cart before the horse, you know, the acceptance of a digital asset with a lot of value long before we'd work through some of the, the known threats that are out there. Joel, what is a CISO's perspective regarding, you know, threat modeling with uh, the blockchain and AI as it's quickly becoming the norm? Yeah, good question, Jules. Uh, threat modeling is very important to uh, any CISO since the main tenet of uh, threat modeling is for the CISO to determine where the most effort should be applied to keep a system secure. As I have previously mentioned during our previous podcast, the convergence of blockchain and AI will transform how organizations run their business. Organizations will continue to ensure that their data is secure, private, and trustworthy and they should develop their AI models and blockchain solutions to use this data and make sure that they're more effective, which improves the organization's digital and data capabilities. Jules? Yeah, no, good stuff. Definitely spot on. Um, Mr. John, I know that we've talked in the past episodes about threats in the blockchains. You know, you wanna give us a couple of examples of possibly some attacks that can be mitigated with the use of uh, blockchain and AI? Sure, Jules. Uh, one that comes to immediate mind is a DDoS attack. And um, it's, it's like our analogy from a few weeks ago of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, two great tastes that taste great together, right? Independently, they don't really seem to be of value, but together they're a blockbuster. 
So, for example, AI can be trained to automate the detection of real-time attacks, while the blockchain is responsible for keeping integrity in decentralized databases. Uh, so the implementation of blockchain technology with decentralized DNS spread the content to many of nodes and prevent attackers from attacking. I think uh, Kurt alluded to this in his prior uh, his prior information. So only those who have domain editing rights, that is the domain owners, would be granted and no other user would be permitted to make changes, which would significantly lower the risk of unauthorized parties being able to access or change data. So a system can ensure it's invulnerable to hackers by utilizing blockchain to protect data unless each node is attacked together with a very coordinated hack. Uh, Jules? Yeah, I think uh, you might have lost uh, me and the audience at peanut butter cups. I think we might have all blacked out. <laughs> it's lunchtime after all. But Kurt, if, if you're still with us, anything you want to add to uh, what Joel and John said? Well, actually, yeah, there's there's one thing uh, from your answer, uh, Joel, that was actually, um, it's sort of a new thing, I think, is, is to keep a system secure. And, uh, you know, we used to talk a lot about recoverable systems. You know, we'd sort of accept that, hey, you know, the system's going to die at some point, so let's make backups. And honestly, in the last five, 10 years now, you know, as an industry, and especially in blockchain, we're pivoting from, we can't have recoverable systems anymore. We need to have survivable systems, right? You can't tell somebody, oh, you know, the stock market's backed up. And if it crashes, you know, we'll have it back up and running tomorrow. Like, what's the problem with that? Uh, the reality is things like the stock markets, you know, the financial markets, especially, um, well, I mean, if your health data is in a, in a blockchain, you don't want them to be like, yeah, sure. You know, we'll deal with you tomorrow when the blockchain is back up and running. Yeah, no problem. Just, just wait here for, you know, a day in the, in the, uh, ER room. And so I think there has to be this big move to building these survivable systems. Uh, you know, and as I said before, a big part of that is around scale and latency, um, because, you know, we can harden these systems as much as we want, but there's still going to be, you know, an attacker figures out something new, right? There will always be something new or something we missed or just some paradigm shift. And having systems that can react to that quickly, 24 hours a day, you know, no matter what, uh, is going to be paramount to making these things work. Uh, and like I said, you know, it's the financial markets, there are already a lot of financial products in blockchain and it's only going to increase. Absolutely. And I think you kind of rolled us right into, and I don't know if that's all you had to say on this, but, you know, we know that blockchain right now is playing a big role in financial services and, you know, of course, crypto exchanges. Do you want to spend a little more time um, digging a little bit with us on how blockchain and DLT are being leveraged in financial services and crypto exchanges? Yeah. So as I said before, one of the biggest things around blockchain is it allows you to create a version of reality that's enforced. You know, I've, I've read a lot of things where, you know, companies essentially say, look, we'll do a deal with this other company. If it all goes south, we take them to court, which I guess that works. But, you know, I feel like most companies would rather not end up in court and not end up, you know, litigating for years or decades. Uh, you know, there was that court case here in Canada where a, a comma in a contract ended up costing a utility company just shy of a million dollars. Um, is around utility pool usage rights and uh, apparently the comma really mattered. And um, the financial markets have already essentially, well, they haven't moved to blockchain, but they're in the process of, you know, it's clear it's going to happen, right? It's it's like web servers in 95. It was like, okay, they're kind of cool. But by 2000, like it was clear, you know, everything's going to be web-based. And by 2010, everything is web-based. And now we're in 2020 and, you know, it's... Um, 
can you live life without a web browser? The answer is no, no. Like I just, I wanted to buy some Ikea light bulbs, except I have to buy them online because Ikea is closed because they had an employee with COVID. So they're shut for Lord knows how long, right? And so the good news is the finance industry is aware of security. The bad news is, you know, this is a new technology and everything we've built so far basically is flaming garbage, which is to be expected, right? Every, every web thing built prior to 2010 was garbage. Even the stuff after that is still garbage. And, and I mean that it should be that way, right? The whole point of it right now is we've got this change of, you know, this rapidity of change that is um, scary and wonderful. You know, like I look at my smartphone and how far that's come in 10 years, you know, my desktop is, uh, geez, I don't even know how much like CPU power it has anymore. I don't care. It's just fast. And I think that's what's going to happen with blockchain is, is blockchain allows people to cooperate and work together in a way that's even faster than what we've had. So it's, it's kind of these, you know, we build tools that build tools that build tools faster. And now these tools are also allowing us to build business process that it moves even faster than before. And I mean, part of me is terrified and part of me is like, hallelujah, hopefully we'll have something good in 10 or 20 years, as opposed to waiting for 50 years. Absolutely. And I think we're, I think technologies that, uh, that adoption cycle and then and, and the development process, as we all know, and we're trying to address that, you know, as with our technology definitely needs to increase to, to fit the demand. You know, I know we're running out of time. We were, we're short on time here today. John, Joel, did you want to say anything or jump in before we wrap? Uh, sorry, good. I'm good. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, I appreciate the time, uh, Kurt. Um, and, and again, um, very informational and thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Kurt, thank you for your insight and time today. Thank you. And I just want to say it's, it's interesting that, you know, two years ago, we had a lot of people asking, what is blockchain? And now we have people building actual security solutions for it. I know, right? It's, 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 it's wild to watch. And we've all been around long enough to see the adoption of, you know, technologies, multiple technologies along the way. And we've also seen a lot of great technologies come and miss, you know, which has been very disappointing for some of us. And it really does look like the time, energy, uh, money and talented people are dedicated to making this technology stick. And I think we can all agree that, it, you know, it's definitely worth it. You know, what a great, great podcast today. And, and I believe that's a wrap. Uh, John, uh, Dr. Evil, the man with many names, as always, buddy. Thanks for coming today. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> all right. Joel, my friend, all always. Right. Thanks, thanks for your input today. Likewise. Thank you. All right. Audience, we hope that you found this podcast interesting and informative. Always, please join us again next week as we continue to build the bridge between blockchain technology and the enterprise. As always, you can learn more and or contact us at secureblocktech.com. Have a great week and reach out with any and all feedback, questions, or desires to blockchain, to, to join the blockchain revolution. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.